0: Father, as the song said, all my life you've been faithful. Father, you've always been there. You will always be there. Father, you're so faithful over your word, faithful over your spirit. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy, Father, that you've shown to us. Father, we can never express in words alone how precious you are to us, how thankful we are to you, Father. Lord, we just thank you all the wonderful things you've done for us. And, Father, we've not seen the end of it. In fact, Father, we will probably never see the end of all your goodness in our lives. Thank you. We will be with you for all eternity. And no doubt, Father, in thousands and thousands of years from now, you'll still be showing your kindness and goodness towards us. Father, we thank you lord we give you all the praise and the honor for these things we thank you for the lord in jesus name amen. amen well praise god is the lord good amen. amen he's good all the time amen you know i think i've told you many times that when i got born again i didn't grow up in church and so didn't know anything about the bible i didn't know anything about the lord didn't even know there was a, a person called the holy spirit uh, but the lord gave me one revelation that's the only revelation i had i couldn't tell you book chapter and verse uh, back then uh, but the revelation i had was god is good And, you know, if you just know that God is good, about half your doctrine will be straightened up just from that alone. Amen. So many people have these weird doctrines like, well, there's no way a good God would ever do that. You know, Uh, even if you don't know book, chapter and verse, if you know God's a good God, you'll know about half what you need to know about the Lord. Amen. And so praise God. Well, we want to welcome Dr. Larry Hutton all the way from Georgia. Amen. Coming up here to visit with us. And so let's give him a warm Dayton welcome.
1: Well, good, praise God. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, I just, I think about the goodness of God and all I can do is, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. I'm telling you, I got healed of an incurable disease after suffering all my life growing up and 22 years of age. I went to a church like this when I got under a good pastor like Pastor Chip. And for the first time in my life, I grew up in church, but for the first time in my life, I heard Jesus is still a healer today. He's still the same today as when He walked there. He hadn't changed. God doesn't change. So I got healed of that incurable disease and just one thing after another led God just, oh man it's so good. All my life you have been so, so good. I just love Jesus. So I've been doing this for 40 years. I've been traveling all over the world. Been to many nations all over the world. Singapore, Japan, Australia, Germany, Sweden. We've just been all over preaching the gospel. Most of the time I'm in the United States and Canada but... uh, just wherever God tells us to go we go I started preaching when I was night in in 1980 I preached my first sermon and then I continued to travel and preach even when I was going to Bible school and and uh, get to come and meet awesome precious folks like you guys so I've been looking forward to this We we do go back uh, quite a few years don't we Uh, but like I said he probably beat me in racquetball because I was a tennis player and tennis and racquetball don't mix real good Although I enjoyed playing racquetball, I was never that great at it, but I used to play tournament tennis, so I was a pretty good tennis player. But uh, it's good to be with you, just so to let you know a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida, so I am a Floridian and lived there for 27 years. Uh, I was a beach bum. Uh, I couldn't find a beach bunny to marry, so I went to Colorado and found a snow bunny and uh, married my wife uh, 40 years ago. It'd be 41 years ago this month. I saw those July birthdays, you've got to put my name at the end of that list, because mine's July 30th, and, uh, but my wife and I are celebrating 41 years, uh, the 18th of July, and uh, she's my best friend, I love her to life, I wish she was here to introduce you, she's just an awesome, she's a preacher, ordained as minister as well, but just, just an awesome person, I just wish she was here, so maybe another time she'll get to come up with me we just moved after living in Tulsa Oklahoma for 40 years we just moved to Atlanta Georgia this past year and so uh, our daughter lives there and our granddaughter lives there so my wife used to travel with me a bunch before we moved to close to our granddaughter I can't figure this one out but but uh, y'all y'all that have grandkids you know what it's like so anyway that tells a little bit about me I traveled from 1982 to 1987 Uh, as part of the crusade team with brother the the late Kenneth E. Hagan if you've heard of him Um, I was part of his crusade team I led praise and worship for his big uh, meetings television meetings and big crusades and then I continued to travel with him until he passed away even though we had our own ministry whenever he would have a meeting we would go help him out and so for 20 years I got to be very close to the man and and, uh, learn a whole lot of things about uh, love and forgiveness and Uh, The Holy Ghost and faith and righteousness and just a whole bunch of wonderful things that helped uh, help me in my walk with the Lord And so now like pastor mentioned I do a TV program I tell I tell people we because we do Monday through Friday five days a week television And I tell people on my TV program all the time. I said you're not watching a religious program This is not religion. This is relationship all the religions of the world serve dead gods. Christianity, we serve a risen Jesus. He's alive and he's well and it makes a whole difference. To, it's not religion, it's relationship. Amen. And so that's why I do what I do. and I live in hotels and I live in restaurants. I travel about 40 to 45 weeks out of 52 every year. Been doing it for 40 years and I still love it. So it, it must be a cost. In fact, somebody asked me just recently, they said, Brother Larry, when are you going to retire? I said, Retire from what? I don't have a job. I have a call. I can't find in the Bible where it says retire from, from a call. God, I know you called me, but I'm going to retire from that. You know, no, no, it doesn't work that way. And so if Jesus tarries, I'm, I, I told people all the time, I told your pastor last night, I said, if Jesus tarries, I'm, let, I'm not letting Moses outdo me. <laughs> Amen. So uh, a lot of good things. Let me give you a couple of good testimonies. Um, About five years ago we were in prayer with our staff and uh, we were praying and and the Lord spoke and said something that we were not expecting, never heard of. He said, I want you to advertise on Google to get people saved. Advertise on Google for souls? And uh, so you know, we ask around some different pastor friends and different ministers and nobody was doing it. Nobody knew What to do and I said okay Lord you're gonna have to show us what and so the Lord spoke to us again and said uh, set up a, a separate website from your ministry website and make it just salvation only just the salvation prayer and so we did that and then he said okay now start advertising on Google so if somebody was typing in how do I get saved and they clicked on our link it would take them to our salvation website they could say the prayer and get saved well the first week we did that we got eight people saved eight people called our ministry The second week, 12 people got saved. The third week, 22 people got got saved. And this just kept escalating. After two months, we had over 2,000 people get saved from Google advertising. It was was like we were just like, oh, my God. We we wondered at first whether we even heard from God advertise on Google for people to get saved. And then after getting over 2,000 saved, we realized this is God. We got in touch with the management. This was about over four years ago now we got in touch with the management of Google to find out the statistics because they have all of that and They came back and let us know that 33,000 people. This is mind-boggling 33,000 people per month search Google on how to get saved Is that mind-boggling or what 30 Now then we realized why God was having us do it and so uh, 33,000 people a month search Google on how to get saved, so we started believing for 100,000 people. We passed that last year. We are now over 160,000 people saved on Google. Woohoo! Glory to God. Some of my partners say, man, we're getting rewards. For every soul that gets saved, they said, we're getting rewards in heaven. I said, that's why you want to be a partner with good ministries that are touching lives, because you're going to get rewards. You know why we want rewards in heaven? It's fine to have them down here. Well, You know, when we tithe and give to the church and we have blessings come in, it's wonderful to get temporary rewards, but they're just temporary. <laughs> Even if you live as long as Moses, 120, that's it. But then eternity is going to be way 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 beyond that and you're gonna want to have rewards there So you want to find good ministries like the church here and other good ministries that you can partner with and Make sure you're laying up where moth can't get through and rust doesn't corrupt and and the devil can't steal and praise God it's gonna be a good thing So so I wanted to give you that testimony because that I mean that's just one of the outreaches of our ministry But to me, it's my favorite because the Bible says he that winneth souls is what? Is wise and uh, so if God says we're winning souls is going to be wisdom then operating in wisdom opens up a lot of blessings for you as well second testimony before we get in the Word you could go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs 18 if you want but a second testimony real quick Uh, we were in another part of Tennessee uh, preaching over in Ridgely Tennessee and um, after I got done preaching, a couple from Memphis came up. They went to the uh, largest Baptist church in Memphis, and, um, and so they had come up to meet Liz and I. My wife was with me, and, and um, they wanted to talk to us personally, and so we let them come, and, and they said, we just wanted to give you a testimony. Um, it was a husband and wife, and the husband and wife both had cancer at the same time. She had stage four he had stage three and they both according to medical science had about six months or less to live so They asked the doctors what okay if we do chemo and do medic, uh, The radiation all the different stuff the, the normal route how long does that give us does that extend our lives and the, and the Doctor said well it will probably maybe give you six more months 12 at the most and so this, that didn't offer them much hope. And so they decided, okay, uh, then we're not going to do radiation and we're not going to do chemo. And these are Baptist folk. They love Jesus. So they just decided, okay, we're just going to seek God. And uh, they started see- searching on YouTube and they just happened to come across Larry Hutton Ministries YouTube channel. And I just happened to, in- to put a whole new series on uh, healing on that YouTube channel. They started watching that, started hearing things they'd never heard before, that Jesus is the same today, that when he was on the cross, he bore our sickness so that you don't have to, and just all the different things, started hearing that. And they heard about my Heaven's Health Food CD recording, where I don't preach or teach, I just quote health scriptures and healing scriptures out of the Bible. And they heard about it, so they ordered it, and they started playing it 24 hours around the clock. They put it, they got a CD player that, you know, puts it on loop and just keeps playing it. They started playing in their house 24 hours around the clock, and about seven, I can't remember if it was seven or eight or nine days, but anyway, a little over a week later, all the cancer disappeared from both of their bodies. They came then to the church. This is now six months after that. Six months later, Liz and I are at this church that they drove up to about an hour and a half north of Memphis. And They said we just wanted to give you our testimony. We're completely healed completely whole. There's no cancer in our bodies whatsoever, and we never took a drop of medicine or you know Or any medical treatments or anything well. They said well we did take medicine, but we took God's medicine (laughs) So what a testimony to showing that God's Word is living it's powerful and in fact I'm gonna share I had cancer attack my body last year. See I'm out on the front line. So the devil hates my guts feelings are mutual but, uh, but I've got the victory over the devil. He's under my feet. So when cancer attacked my body, the last thing I was going to do was get in fear because fear is the opposite of faith. Fear just keep you from being healed or faith will get you healed. And, and uh, so I'll, I'll give you my testimony at healing school today if you come back, but I'm going to share that with those that do come back. And in fact, I'll even show you the tumor that was on the side of my face. I, I've got a picture. I'm sure that somehow we can show it up on the screen. And uh, so I'll share that with you, how I got healed of that. Uh, but it's just all good news when you go to the Bible and you believe it. When you believe it, it's life-changing. Can I hear an amen? So I guess I'm, I'm not supposed to be up there preaching, am I? I'm, I'm okay down here. I saw, I thought, you know what, they got the pulpit up there, maybe I'm supposed to be up there. I like, I like to get down where I can see the whites of your eyes. And then, And then if I don't think you're getting it, I'll say it again. <laughs> hallelujah all right did I tell you to turn to Proverbs 18 is that where I told you to turn I guess I'll go there then unless you have another place you feel like the Spirit of God wants you to go then just tell me and we'll preach from there just kidding Proverbs 18:21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof loving it talking about yielding to what just whatever comes along saying whatever says you're going to eat the fruit. But it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. I noticed that when I looked up the Hebrew, I love, I'm, I'm a studier. I love to study the Hebrew, which the, the Old Testament was translated from, and then the Greek, the New Testament was translated from. And I looked up this Hebrew word, and, of course, figuratively, it does mean strength and power. But I noticed the main definition of this Hebrew word, it says this. It says hand, H-A-N-D, hand. Death and life are in the hand of the tongue and when I saw that light revelation came and I and I started picturing my tongue like a hand (laughs) because when you say things you're handing yourself something and this tells us what we're gonna hand ourselves let me read some other translations here the New Century Version says what you say can mean life or death those who speak with care will be rewarded the good news Bible says what you say either can preserve life or destroy it so you must accept the consequences of your words um, I thought I had one other translation but I must not um, so I started thinking okay so what you say can preserve life or destroy it. what you say what you say sounds like you're handing yourself things and so um, uh, I know Growing up and and listening to other people, people are always looking for handouts. (laughs) And what they don't realize, they've been handing out something to themselves on a continual basis. Either life or uh, death, your tongue has been giving you handouts. So what exactly then are our words handing us? Notice what it says, death and life. Everybody say death and life. So I looked up the word death. It's an all-inclusive Hebrew word. It, It talks about... Death, deadly, premature death, um, really talking about all the works of darkness, sickness, disease, poverty, anxiety, depression, fear, all the works of darkness as part of death. And then I looked up the word life and it's a a Hebrew word that says things that sustain life, uh, lively, um, full of life, uh, active Uh, So it's just the opposite of the kingdom of darkness. It would be part of the kingdom of light. It would be health and prosperity and peace and joy and success, etc. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do for my own benefit? This is is how you meditate on the Word, by the way. If you really want to meditate and get God's Word in you, this is how you do it. What I did is I took all the different definitions that would be part of death and I put them in place and And read it that way and then all the definitions that would be part of life and put it that way Here's what I did I wrote them down just so I I can show you instead of death and life are in the power of the tongue I wrote this sickness and health are in the power of the tongue Poverty and prosperity are in the power of the tongue Anxiety and peace are in the power of the tongue Depression and joy are in the power of the tongue. A bad marriage and a good marriage are in the power of the tongue. Failure and success are in the power. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? I'm I'm, I'm replacing so that all of a sudden it brings more revelation, more light, and brings it down to where the rubber meets the road, where we're we're living. And so uh, I realize, okay, so then our words are powerful, but their life Changing they're going to take our life one direction or the other if you don't like the, the direction your life has been going You can change its direction if you want to have a really good future. You can set it with your tongue Turn over to first Peter with me first Peter chapter 3 First Peter chapter 3 and we'll go to verse number 10 First Peter three ten. for he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let me read a couple of the translations. The Weymouth New Testament says, For he who wishes to be well satisfied with life and see happy days, let him restrain his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful words. The New Living says, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. I love the message translation. If you want to embrace life and see the day filled up with good, then here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Pretty simple, pretty basic, but... Uh, so but 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 look at all these translation. How many of you want to have a life filled with good things? Uh, always happening good things happen to you, you're you enjoying life. You're well satisfied and you're always happy. Yeah, that would be all of us Peter is actually quoting the psalmist here In fact, I'm gonna have you hold your place and go back to Psalm 34 where where Peter's actually quoting from The Lord had me do this and it really helped me Uh, Psalm 34 verses 12 and 13 are what we were just reading in Peter where he's quoting from so let's read it over in the psalm Psalm 34 12 what man is he that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile guile is deceit or lies so I took the verses in Peter I just felt an unction to do this I took the verses in Peter and I studied out all the Greek words that were in that verse and and kind of come up with my own paraphrase of that and then I studied all these Hebrew words from these two verses here kind of wrote it and then I merged the two together because Peter was quoting from Psalms and so I wrote a paraphrase here's exactly what the Hebrew and Greek together was saying here's what here's what it literally says who among you Wants to experience a dynamic and active life one with longevity and one that continually has good things happening in it Then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's word And stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others Isn't that good really brings more light? Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life one with longevity one that continually has good things happening in it? Then don't let your tongue speak anything contrary to God's word and stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others I didn't realize it at the at the time when I was uh, studying the Hebrew and Greek and then writing this paraphrase why I felt an unction to do so But after I wrote that paraphrase I heard the Lord the word of the Lord came to me and he said this now I want you to write the opposite of that paraphrase I said why would I want to do that (laughs) well after you hear the opposite you'll understand why he had me do it it really is eye-opening so you heard the you heard the Who among you wants to experience a dynamic and active life one with longevity one that continually has good things happening in? Then don't let your tongue speak anything to contrary to God's word stop lying or saying anything that would deceive yourself or others Here's the opposite of that Who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life? one that is short-lived and one that continually has bad things happening in it then just let your tongue speak everything that comes to your mind And it's okay to tell little white lies, and for that matter, if you want to speak half-truths or little deceptive things to make yourself look better, feel free to do that as well. Ah, say amen if you can, say ouch and owe oh, me if you can. <laughs> Whoa, who among you wants to experience a destructive and depressing life? One that's short-lived, one that continually has bad things, just speak your mind when anything comes to your mind, tell white lies. Speak half-truths, little deceptive things that make yourself look better. Wow. That reminds me of something the psalmist David said over in Psalm 45. In fact, I'll have you turn over there. Sometimes quoting them, it doesn't help us as good as seeing them. Psalm 45 in the very first verse. Psalm 45, verse 1, where David said, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer now remember life and death are in the power of the what of the tongue So he mentions the tongue here. So when I read this my heart is indicting a good matter I thought what does that mean? I speak of the things which I have made touching the king What does that mean my tongue's a penny what does that mean? So I studied out all the Hebrew and I wrote a, a Paraphrase of this here's my paraphrase It says my heart is stirred to speak something good did you know your heart talking about you, the real you, the inward man, the eternal man, you were designed to only speak God words. That's good words. You take God out of good, all you have left is a big zero, right? So he says, uh, my heart is indicting a good matter or my heart is stirred to speak something good. And then what about I speak of things which I've made touching the king. This is literally what it says. My, my words are made for royalty. My words are made for royalty. You are a royal priesthood. You're part of a royal family that far surpasses any family on the earth. Amen. So my words are made for royalty. And then my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Here's literally what it says. My tongue, cunningly, like a skillful writer, will choose what is written on the pages of my life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue my tongue skillfully or cunningly like a skillful writer will choose what is written on the pages of my life for next week and next month and next year and so on wow sounds like our words are important doesn't it turn over to Romans chapter 8 with me Romans the eighth chapter It says in verse 1, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And of course, once you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are put in Christ. That's how you're baptized into Christ. So if you're in Christ, it says there's no condemnation. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For, verse 2, the law of the Spirit of life... Remember life and death are in the power of the tongue the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Has made me free from the law of sin and death life and death are in the power of the tongue So notice the two laws that are mentioned here Uh, one the law of the spirit of life That is in Christ Which is where you're at The law of the spirit of life is in Christ when you're in Christ then you can operate this law The law of sin and death is out of Christ. This is what people operate when they're not in Christ. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians operate the law of sin and death because they don't understand that their tongue is handing it to them. So that's out of Christ, but it's not supposed to be operating for those that are in Christ. So think about it for a minute. How do we partake of the life of God? Well, Romans 5.1, we're justified by faith. Uh, so therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God, through the Lord Jesus. So we become justified, or we become righteous by faith, which, we, which means we partake of the life of God by faith. So we had to have had our tongue involved with that, right? You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. But let's take it a step further. Paul mentioned about, uh, in Romans 3, I think it's around the 27th, 28th verses where he said, where is boasting then uh, um, by works? No, but by the law of faith. He mentions the law of faith. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, also referred to as the law of faith, are operated by our tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So the law of faith and the law of life are operated by our words it's what releases healing um, prosperity uh, blessed marriage stable emotions all of those kinds of things are released by the law of faith and the law of life the law of sin and the law of death are also operated by our words so you can release words that bring you sickness and poverty emotional instability like fear and depression discouragement all those things but I want to go back to a verse we looked at in Peter. I had you holding it I don't know if you did but first Peter chapter 3 verse 10 He who would love life and see good days. So what do we got to do? We got to stop our tongue from Speaking evil and our lips from telling lies and deceitful things Well, all of us want to have life where good things are always happening. We're enjoying life. We're well satisfied. We're always happy but we need to understand what it means here. This verse says we need to refrain our tongue from evil. So the question becomes then, what are evil words? Somebody said, well, brother, I don't cuss anymore. Well, that's commendable when a person stops using foul language in his conversation. But I believe God talks a lot more about evil words than just cuss words. So uh, I looked up this Greek word, used in this verse and it means bad it means evil it means harmful um, noisome wicked uh, words so any words then that are worthless or harmful or bad or ill-willed or noisome or injurious to your health are evil words but then God had me go back over to numbers chapter 13 so let's go to numbers chapter 13 let me show you what he showed me when I'm studying okay we gotta refrain our tongue from evil in other words we got to stop speaking words that are considered evil, that are going to hand us a bad future. So in Numbers chapter 13, we won't take time to read it all, it's just too long, but in this chapter God tells Moses to send men to the land of Canaan. He told them in the second verse that I give you the land. Go search the land which I, have, which I give to you. So he's already gave it to them when they went, before they went in and it, it was already theirs. Um. Uh, It tells us then that they went in, they searched the land, they returned, they brought back fruit from the land. And then let's pick it up in verse number 27. Numbers 13, 27. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and truly, in other words, you told us the truth, (laughs) it flows with milk and honey, and look, we even brought fruit to to prove it. In other words, look, we prove what God said is true. (laughs) nevertheless, uh-oh. Verse 20, 28, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. What does that have to do with anything? Does that have anything to do with what God told them? Go, go search the land that I give to you. But they reported it. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, which are the giants. Verse 29, they continued... To re, uh, report all the people who inhabited all the different regions of the land and while they were speaking then Caleb Interrupted them in verse 30 look at verse 30 and Caleb said let us go up at once and take possession For we are well able to overcome it So we have two different tongues <laughs> We have a tongue handing life and a tongue handing death life and death are in the power of the tongue So it has to be different since they're both speaking opposites well, what Caleb said, of course, did not please the others who had gone into the land with him. They immediately spoke up in verse 31 through 33. It says in verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. They're stronger than we are. And then they went on in verse 32 the land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. So I want you to notice what the ten spies reported. It says they reported, let's see, how strong the people were, uh, how massive the walls around the cities were. Um, There were giants in the land, looking at all these verses, and finally... How their own weaknesses and abilities were not sufficient to take the land. In fact, they said they felt like grasshoppers So what did they report? They reported the facts They reported reality Wow What they saw was real and what they saw and heard was factual You know, when I quoted verse 32 above, I purposely omitted the first part of the verse. Uh, Let's go back there and just see what it says. It says, and they, verse 32, and they gave the this is to talk about the ten, ten spies now. They gave the children of Israel a evil, or New King James says bad, a bad or an evil report. Hmm. So God said the words that came out of their mouth were evil words they were bad words and what were they reporting they were just reporting the facts and reality the problem is to most people speaking facts or realities they regard as truth you can even hear people say well let me just tell you the truth and they'll report something they've heard or something they've seen and report the facts and they think it is true that's what the ten spies did they spoke out what they saw how it made him feel they merely spoke the facts and what was Reality to them, but God called it evil Why? Because what they said went against what God said Listen God knew their obstacles. He knew they were real. He knew what they were going to see in here He knew the facts and from a natural humanly standpoint The people that were currently dwelling in the land were stronger, bigger than the children of Israel. But God also knew the facts were subject to change. I've been uh, accused through the years, the last 40 years, preaching, well, you faith people, you you just deny reality. And I always tell them, I said, no, I don't deny reality, I change it. Faith never denies reality. Faith changes reality. So God never said to them, go search the land and come back and tell me if you think you're smart enough or you think you're strong enough or you have some special ability to take. No, he never said that. And listen, when God speaks something to us, like he said, go search the land which I give to you, once he said I give it to you, that makes what seems impossible, possible, because with God all things are possible, right? And so... Uh, The mere fact that God said that he gave them the land meant that they were now empowered by God's grace and enabled to do what they could not do on their own. So when they spoke the natural facts and realities of the situation, they were just speaking contrary to what God had said, and God said it's an evil report. In fact, this evil report The giants are huge. They're stronger than we are. The cities are walled and unscalable. We look like grasshoppers. We feel like grasshoppers. What they were speaking is what they saw and felt. So this was more real to them than what God had told them. God said they were speaking evil. So remember, uh, 1 Peter 3.10, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. So now we're learning evil goes way beyond speaking cuss words, Right. Uh, That means when the facts and the realities of our problems and our situations and our tests and trials don't agree with what God says, then they are not truth. They may be real, they may be factual, but they're not truth, which means the opposite of truth is they are lies not lining up with truth. Remember what Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. So that supersedes all other so-called truth If it doesn't line up with God's Word and you know nowadays, of course, we've never seen What's happening in our country and around the world ever happen. That's why we're just getting so close to the return of Jesus because not one generation has ever experienced where where the Governments and everybody have reprobate minds void of judgment calling evil good and calling good evil no generation So all the other generations that said Jesus is coming back in our generation, they don't stand a candlestick against what we're facing in this generation. I mean, all the Ezekiel uh, 38 war people are lining up. Governments are getting in position for the attacking of Israel. Man, I'm telling you what, it's an awesome time to be alive. (laughs) Because we get to shine in the darkness and the darkness is going to get worse. I mean, even in the 91st Psalm, God said "A 1,000 will fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand. That's worse than 9-11. We're going to see worse things happen, but we're going to see the greatest move of God that we've ever seen in our lifetime. We're going to see the miraculous happen. God started showing me things. Uh, One of the offices I operate in is a prophetic office, and I see things. God reveals things to me. I saw some things about the future in the next few years that's going to be happening. And I'm telling you what. We are going to see the miraculous happen. God even told me, he said, you're going to see things happen that you haven't been happening. Like you're going to see people with Alzheimer's healed, dementia healed. You're going to see Lou Gehrig's healed. uh, um, Just all these different diseases associated with old age. He said, you're going to see all these things happen. New arms, new legs, all things grow out. Body parts being totally restored that were supposedly dead. He said, I'm going to be able to wrap things up so quickly that your minds won't be able to comprehend it. Because I've had people come up to me and say, well, you know, it, it must be going to be a whole decades before Jesus could return because there's billions and billions and billions of people on the earth and, and it's going to take a long time to get people saved. But God told me, he said, no, he said, when I start doing what I'm going to be doing through you and through other believers, he said, he, he even used this word, he said, miracles are going to happen like popcorn popping. And he said, he told me this, he said, they're going to happen so frequently and with such intensity that even the fake news will not be able to cover it up because I'm going to be doing it to their children, to their mothers, to their fathers, to their brothers and sisters where they won't want to cover it up. It will get in all of the world within a very short time and billions of people will be saved and I will split the clouds, saith the Lord of hosts. <laughs> So I'm telling you, this thing's going to wrap up quickly, whether it's five or six, seven, eight years from now. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen quickly. Things are lining up. But we are going to have the greatest move of God ever that's going to eclipse the book of Acts. And I'm going to be right on the front lines. And you can be too. Amen. Right in all of our communities, we're going to have to be light because people are. I mean, did you see when this uh, Wuhan virus? Sorry, I don't usually call it what everybody else does. I think it's COVID that everybody else calls it, but I call it the Wuhan virus because that's where it came out of. And uh, you notice how people just got afraid I mean I fly somewhere every week almost every week of the year and so when the virus broke out and and mask mandates and all that I wouldn't wear a mask anywhere but uh, f- except to get on a plane they wouldn't let me on the plane if I not have it on and so I found out real quick once you get on a plane they tell you if you're eating you could take your mask off so I ate the whole flight <laughs> I'm serious I did <laughs> but anyway it was just amazing because I fly somewhere every week. So all of a sudden, nobody was traveling. And so I, I remember one time I got on. This was in, in uh, uh, well, two years ago now. And I got on a flight and nobody, I mean, five people, me and four others. And because I fly all the time, they a lot of times give me free upgrades to first class. So they put me in first class and nobody was there. So the other four people are in coach. So I got my phone out because I have about 5,000 people that follow me on Facebook and they like to know where I'm going to preach and stuff. So on the plane, I, I started live Facebooking, and the other four people saw me. And so we all started partying together. Everybody started waving, saying hi. And I'm showing everybody, hey, uh, I got my own private airplane today. I'm taking four other people with me because I felt like it was my airplane. Because nobody else was traveling and what was really weird to me If people would have just used their brain thinking instead of letting fear drive them It was the safest time to fly in all my 67 years of ministry I mean 67 years of living the safest time the airplanes were cleaner than they'd ever been in history The airports were cleaner than they'd ever been in history. Listen, less sick people were traveling than ever in history. It's time to vacation. (laughs) So anyway, I kept traveling because the first thing I did when that virus came out, see, God had spoken to me years ago and he said this. He said, if you will not allow fear in any area of your life, no curse can operate in any area of your life. So I knew that if I would not allow fear in any area, no curse could I. I'll get attacked with curses, but I don't have to let them stay. I won't yield to them. So so when the when the Wuhan virus broke out and now everybody's supposed to hunker down and stay in and wear masks that don't even stop viruses and all this other stuff that they were demanding. I just kept traveling and somebody asked me, well, aren't you afraid of getting the virus? I said, no, the virus is afraid of me. I said, I, the first thing I did is I went to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. They, they have some good things to say. And I, and I decided, okay, since they talk about what Jesus did when even more contagious diseases than the Wuhan virus were there, like leprosy and different things, I wanted to see what Jesus did. Did he social distance? Did he stop touching people? I said, well, 1 John 2, 6 says we're to walk even as he walked. So if we're to walk as he walked, then what did Jesus do? He laid hands on the sick. And so I just continued to travel and lay hands on people. Some people came that had the COVID, and I laid hands on them, got them healed. And other people had cancer, got them healed. It didn't matter to me. I'm not afraid of Satan or any of his works of darkness. Whether it came out of a Wuhan lab or whether it came out of the pit of hell, we have dominion over it. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He didn't say unless they have the Wuhan virus. <laughs> My preaching's is better than your amen this morning. Now, come on now. We're going to have to get with it here. Hallelujah. So, so he says, um, oh, where, where was I? Okay, so um, we're talking about the word of God, a good report or evil report. So I looked up in, here in... Um, Numbers 13, I looked up evil report to see what the Hebrew said. It's just really one Hebrew word. It's not two words, evil report. It's the Hebrew word debah, and it means slander. Slander. So I just looked up the definition of slander, and here's what slander means. Slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. This is Slander. uh, An action or a crime of making a false Spoken statement damaging to a person so so God was literally telling them when they're reporting the facts and reality That they were doing they were speaking slander. They were committing an action and a crime of speaking false statements Wow because it, it went against truth You see how people, and even Christians, can fall into speaking facts and speaking reality and then not realize why they're not getting answers to their prayer and why it doesn't seem like God's doing anything for them? They keep handing themselves the works of darkness over and over. Wow. So my question to you is this. Did it matter to God what they spoke Must have because he's the one that said their words were evil. So let's just see. Let's go on in the next verse or next chapter, chapter 14, and let's see what what they handed themselves because we know they either handed themselves life or death. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So let's see. Verse 1, Numbers 14, 1. All the congregation lifted up their voice. So they're speaking things, right? And they cried and they wept all night. Now that shows us that they must not have believed Caleb because Caleb said, Let's go up at once and possess it. We're well able. They wouldn't have been going, and crying all night if they'd believed Caleb. But they obviously believed the evil report. So when they were crying and weeping, they must have been complaining about what the evil report said. In fact, verse 2 tells us, and all of the children of Israel, so not just the ten spies, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said, we wish you would have just let us die in Egypt. Or they said, or we just wish God would let us die here they were in the wilderness. So look at the two things they said. We wish God would have just let us die in Egypt. Well, that's already past tense, so at least that's not going to (laughs) happen. But the problem is then they spoke something present tense. Now they were handing themselves something. Or we wish God would just let us die in the wilderness. Skip to verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, how long, verse 27, shall I bear with this evil? We know why it's evil. He's not calling them as a person an evil person, but because they're speaking evil words, evil congregation, which murmur against me. I've heard their murmurings. Verse uh, 29, as truly as I live, say the Lord, uh, as you've spoken, so will I do. As you've spoken. This wasn't the will of God, because the will of God was go in and possess the land. I've given it to you. So the way they spoke then, they handed themselves something. Look at verse 36. Verse 36, and the men, which Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land, verse 37, even those men that brought up the evil report upon the land died by the plague. Wow. They handed themselves death, and it was not God's will. You know, one of the sad things that I hear Christians say a lot is, Well, yeah, but God allowed it. They try and use that statement as if it's God's will. Well, yeah, but God allowed it. They try and preach this stupid sovereignty uh, theology that God's in charge of everything, and if God allowed it, then it's God's will. No, listen, God will allow you to walk out on the road right now and get run over and smashed and killed with a Mack truck. He'll allow you to do it. Not His will. Doesn't want you to. But he'll allow you to do it why because you're not a puppet God gave you a free will Amen Wow, so death was in the power or the hand of their tongues. They handed themselves a bad future I, w- I want to just go back to verse 30 of chapter 13 where what Caleb said there Caleb said let us go up at once and take possession We're well able to overcome it Listen Caleb saw all the same giants all the same Problems with the giant wall that was unscalable. he saw everything and heard everything they saw and yet he was not moved By what he saw or heard he wasn't moved by his physical senses. He was moved by the truth In fact if you look in chapter 14, I think it's about tw- verse 24 uh, It says Caleb had another spirit Well, what is that spirit? Well if you let scripture interpret scripture 2nd Corinthians four thirteen 13 says um, Uh, We having the same spirit of faith according as it is written uh, We believed and therefore speak we also believe and therefore speak so the spirit of faith Believes what God says and then speaks what God says so that's the other spirit that Caleb had and of course If you study it out Caleb got to go in and possess the land now Let's jump over to the New Testament get another example of the power of our tongue go over to Luke chapter 1 with me Is anybody getting anything? Luke chapter 1 and this, uh, this was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. And we're going to look at uh, a certain priest by the name of Zacharias, the one that uh, his wife was Elizabeth, that uh, John the Baptist was born to. Okay, so verse 11, there appeared to him, this is Zacharias, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So he was in the temple doing his priestly duties. Verse 12, when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, don't, don't fear. Stop that fear. Don't get, don't, don't fear. For your prayer is heard. And your and it must, and it goes on and tells us what he must have been praying. Cause he said, your wife, Elizabeth shall bear you a son. You'll call his name John. So evidently he had been praying and Elizabeth together had been praying. We want a child. And so Zacharias hears this angel. The angel said, fear not your prayer is heard. Your wife, Elizabeth shall bear you a son. You'll call his name John. And, and you'll have joy and gladness and many are going to rejoice at his birth skip down to verse um, 18 and Zacharias said to the angel so after the angel told him that then Zachariah said Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife Well stricken in years let's let's stop right there verse 11 12 13 14 the angels that's in God's presence appears to Zacharias. Zacharias was troubled, fear fell about him. He tells Zacharias, don't fear, your prayer's heard, you're going to have a son, and you're going to really be glad and have a lot of joy. Let me ask you a question. If you were praying about something, let's just say you were praying for a child, and you asked God for a child, and God sent an angel from his very presence, from his presence, said, go, go tell them. Uh, I heard their prayer, and." Uh, their request is granted. Wouldn't that make you happy? I mean, it seems to me that if I had an angel appear to me, to tell my prayer is heard, and I'm going to get the answer, it would make me happy. But let's see what Elizabeth or Zacharias did. Verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, "Whereby shall I know this?" In other words, how do I know you're telling me the truth? And then he tells them why he doesn't believe it. For I'm old, and so is my wife. Does that sound like he was believing God? Doesn't does it? So, uh, let me read a couple other translations. The contemporary English version, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this is going to happen? My wife and I are both very old. <laughs> God's word of the nation says, what proof is there for what you're saying? I'm old my wife is way beyond childbearing years. And the new living says, how can I be sure this is going to happen? I'm an old man and my wife's well along in years. I love the message. Zechariah said, do you expect me to believe this? Because I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman now listen It's one thing to to have unbelief come into your mind to your thought realm But it's another thing entirely when you hook your tongue up with those thoughts Because remember your tongue is a hand and it's gonna hand you something So let's look at the verses what the uh, angel said angel verse 19 answered said to him. I am Gabriel That stands in the presence of God and am sent to speak to you and to show you these glad tidings and behold You shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because you believe not my words Which shall be fulfilled in their season. So Gabriel speaks in verse 19 And you can tell he is not amused with unbelief I don't believe Gabriel spoke like this My name is Gabriel And I just came from God and I'm I got a word from God for you. I don't think it was like that at all. I think it was, my name is Gabriel and God just sent me with a message for you and you're supposed to be happy about it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think it was uh, he wasn't liking this at all. And so verse 20, uh, Gabriel says, behold, you shall be dumb and not able to speak. Until the day that these things shall be performed, because you believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So why did God have to shut his mouth? It says, my words shall be fulfilled. Death and life are in the power of the what? Not just life, but death. Speaking death or evil words, according to this right here, will stop God's plan to coming to pass in your life. If he wouldn't have shut his mouth, Zacharias's mouth, John would never have been born. Whoa, That's how powerful your words are. life or death. God had to actually shut his mouth so that his plan could take place. Don't tell me your words aren't powerful. God wouldn't have had to shut his mouth if that's the case. And so, of course, the time came to give birth to to John. If you skip down to uh, uh, verse 61, 62, where, you know, after, after Zechariah said his name's going to be John and And he said, okay, I gave him a writing. Verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet to everyone's astonishment. He wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open, his tongue free, and he began to speak, praising God. Notice the only time he could speak when he decided to line his mouth up with what God said. (laughs) God said his name going to be John. So now that he's been dumb for a while, he's realized, okay, I better say what God says. And then his tongue was loose. So our words are powerful, so powerful that they can stop God's plan and future for our lives if we keep doing it. In fact, I even asked the Lord about that. I said, if our words are that powerful, Lord, then what about idioms? What about phrases that we speak where we just say, oh, I'm just kidding, or I'm just joking? You know, phrases we really don't even mean, but we say. Do they affect us? And God said, yes. So I wrote down some different things. Just, it's kind of humorous, but these are things that we actually say. My feet are killing me. Well, it's not true because you're not dropping dead. Well, that's not what I meant. Why would you say it? Well, it's just a figure of speech. Okay. That tickles me to death. Oh, really? You're going to drop dead in a second? Well, I just think I'm going crazy. Ooh, I wouldn't be saying that if I were you. I'd be saying I have the mind of Christ if I were you. What about this one? He or she drives me up the wall. Are you Spider-Man or what? You know. What about this one? I just, I, just, I just feel like I'm on pins and needles. That would be uncomfortable. What about this one? Over my dead body. Ooh, I wouldn't be saying that. You may not be around for them to do it. What about this one? Well, I'm afraid so. Why are you afraid? God said, fear not. What about this one? That just blows my mind. I won't go there, that's gross. Anyway, what about this one? If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. No, you've only told me 33 times. <laughs> so, do saying these things that we really don't mean, but we've picked up from the world, and who is the God of this world? We've picked up, do these things hurt us like exaggerations, figures of speech, saying things we don't mean, and, and then ending it with, oh, I'm just kidding, I really don't mean it. All right, jump over to James chapter 2, I mean James chapter 1, and let me show you how harmful and hurtful this is to your life. Remember, we're, we're seeing life is going to be released, or, power, or death is going to be released by your words. So words are not idle, you're going to give account for idle words. Watch this, in James chapter 1, You guys know verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, right? And then verse 23 and 24, he likens being a a hearer of the word, but not, not acting on its truth, not doing it to somebody that looks in a mirror and then walks away and a short time later forgets what he's wearing. He has to look in the mirror again to see what he's got on. And then he says this, but whoever, verse 25, but whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty mirror. I like to add the word mirror there since he just likened it to a natural mirror. So he calls God's word the perfect law of liberty or perfect law of liberty mirror and continues. Continues what? Whoever looks. So continues looking into God's word, the perfect law of liberty. He continues. He will not be a forgetful hearer. Why? Because he's staying with his eyes focused on the word of God he's not gonna be a forgetful here and he will be a doer of the work hmm so he's working out his salvation he's working the word by doing it by speaking it he'll be a doer of the work this man shall be blessed in his deed but the Bible was never written in chapter and verse the next verse goes along with the whole context of being a doer of the word And either receiving the blessing of being a doer or being deceived, like he said back in 23, if you don't do it, you hear it only, you're going to deceive yourself. So then look what he says in verse 26. If any among you, now he's just talked about, he's talking to any among you, doers or hearers only, any among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue. Whoa, controls his tongue. I wonder why. I wonder if you're going to hand yourself something. Bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Whoa. The Bible in basic English says, if a man seems to have religion and has no control over his tongue, but lets himself be tricked by what is false. Oh, kind of sounds like what we're seeing about evil words, deceitful words, huh? Tricked by what is false, this man's religion is of no value. Contemporary English version, if you think you're being religious but can't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and everything you do is useless. The Amplified says, you delude your own heart. Hmm. Delude your heart. So, Romans ten nine: if you confess with your mouth, Jesus the Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes... So a deceived heart is not believing heart. Which means, if you don't speak what God says, you delude your heart, you deceive your heart, and now your heart's not operating in faith, and you can be praying all you want to, and wondering why you're never getting any answers to prayers. Your heart's deceived. When you know God's word, well God's word says I'm healed, but, but you know I have, I have type two diabetes, or I have type one diabetes, or I have this, or I have that, or I have that. Well you know I have, I have, I have. Oh really? I tell people quit confessing what you say you have and start telling, confessing what God says you have. I'll share more in depth this afternoon, but when that cancer attacked my body and that tumor grew on my face, I didn't say I have cancer. It was factual. It was real. I knew it was attacking my body, but I knew the truth was that I was healed. So I put the truth against the facts, and the facts had to change. Wow. So here's why so many people's faith. Does not work because their heart is deceived because when they're at church, they're singing and they're saying what the pastor has said. Oh, so now the heart's full of life and faith is operative. And then they get out and go to work or at home and they say, well, I tell you what, I just feel like I'm getting sick. I'm probably going to be the first one with the flu this year. And their heart's going Well, at church you were saying you're healed and now you're saying you're getting sick. Which one am I supposed to believe? And your heart is wavering and he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed for let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Wow. Let me close this morning by going back to where we started, Proverbs 18. Turn back over to Proverbs 18 with me. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let me read one translation that I did not read to you earlier. I purposely saved it. The message translation of this verse says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose words kill or words give life your words are either going to be poison or they're going to be fruit but you get to choose Wow so I wrote this down for my benefit when I was studying this out I wrote this down so your words will poison your body making it sick or bringing it the fruit of health Your words will poison your finances, bringing poverty or bringing your your finances the fruit of prosperity. Your words will poison your mind with anxiety or bring it the fruit of peace. Your words will poison your emotions with depression or discouragement or bring it the fruit of joy. Your words will poison your marriage and make it bad or bring it fruit that will bless it and make it heavenly. Your words will empoison poison your endeavors with failure or bring you the fruit of success. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Deuteronomy 30:19, God says, "I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've set before you life. I've also set before you death. I've set before you blessing that goes along with life, and I've set before you cursing that goes along with death. Choose life." I love the fact that God, like, gave us this this great uh, choice. You know. With only two categories to choose from so he made it real easy here here life and blessing death and cursing So this is not a multiple-choice question here. Just two you get to choose between one or two and Then I I would have loved it especially when I was studying from 2000 from 95 to 2005 when I studied for my doctorate degree I have a doctorate that's earned by the way not I won't go there anyway um, When I was studying for my doctorate, I would have loved it if my professors Would Have not only given me the test question, but also given me the answer Jesus God did that Deuteronomy 30 19. Here's life and blessing. Here's death and cursing You get to choose one of the two, but let me tell you the answer choose life Choose life. He he knows what's best for us Just like he said, I give you the land I give you the land don't go in there and come back and tell me what you feel and what you see and what you don't think you can do I give you the land so be like Joshua and come back and say, well, let's go in and possess it. We're well able. We have to be. He gave it to us. If God be for us, who could be against us? But today I just felt I was actually going to go a whole other direction up until last night as I was praying and studying in my hotel room. I thought, oh, I'm going to preach on this subject. Because I had a, I had a supernatural experience happen years ago about how to live not have another down day the rest of your life I had actually had a supernatural spirit Jesus came in my room and talked to me but I I mean supernatural it was I'd never heard any of it taught in Bible school never heard it any other preacher never read a book and the Lord showed me he said I'm gonna show you what to do And if you do what I show you in the in my word You'll never have another down day. You'll never have another stress-filled day. You'll never have another worry-filled day. You'll never have another get-your-feeling hurt-filled day. You'll never have any of those bad tempered days. You'll never, all those negative emotions, you'll get, you'll get uh, uh, moments where all of them come at you and try and get you to yield. But I'm going to show you how to overcome everyone. You'll never have another day in your life like them. That happened many years ago and I've never had any of those days since I don't have down days stress-filled days I don't get uh, days filled with hurt feelings and bad temper flying off I don't do that anymore because Jesus showed me in the Bible what to do that's what I wanted to preach on this morning (laughs) and it's powerful it's life-changing to people but this is what I know the Lord told me to preach this morning so I had to obey him and I think it's because we need to be setting up ourselves for a great future doesn't matter what the government does, doesn't matter what other nations do, doesn't matter what terrorists do, doesn't matter what the economy does, doesn't matter what Wall Street. doesn't matter what the food supply does, doesn't matter any of that, what matters is are we going to speak what God's word says? Let me give you this quick testimony. Um, many years ago I was going to work and I, I started to walk out the door and I heard the Lord speak to me, just that inward voice, but the way he speaks to us most of the time, I heard him say, write down such and such a verse. And so I got a piece of paper and I wrote down the verse real quick, looked it up in the Bible, wrote it down. And then I heard that same voice say, now take it with you, and all day long, as often as you can think about it, speak that verse out loud with your mouth so that your own ears hear you say it. So I started doing it. And I'll bet you by the time I went to bed that night, because the very last thing I did when I... Before I shut the light off went to sleep was spoke that out loud. So my own ears could hear it. I probably spoke it Minimum of 60 probably 70 or 80 times So I got up the second morning getting ready to go to work and I heard that voice again And he said take that verse of scripture with you do the same thing. So I did it again the second day The third morning I got up. I heard that voice say again take that same verse with you By the end of the third day. I had memorized the verse. I didn't have to look at anymore didn't have to I I could just quote the verse because I'd memorized it the fourth day, I wasn't even thinking about it. I got up out of bed, started getting ready, and I heard the Lord say, take that same verse with you again. And I, I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm ready for a new verse. Because <laughs> I'd memorized it. I could, I could quote it, you know. But the Lord said, no, take it with you, do it again. And so I did that fourth day. The fifth day, he said the same thing, take it with you again. I'm telling you, by the end of the fifth day, I, I think I could literally quote the verse forwards and backwards. <laughs> I think I could quote it backwards. I think I could start in the middle and quote it both ways. <laughs> Well, not at the same time, but you know what I mean. So, anyway, I really thought I knew it, but the Lord was teaching me. So the sixth day, the seventh day, seven days in a row, I heard the Lord say, Take that verse with you and speak it as often as you can think about it. But something happened. By the end of that seventh day, that verse was no longer memorized. I now knew it. Big difference. The the Pharisees, doctors of the law, Jesus rebuked them. Because they, they could, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. They knew the Bible, they thought. And Jesus said, no, you, you quote them, but you do not know them. Big difference. Remember in John 31, 32, or 8, 31, 32? If you continue in my word, then you'll be my disciples' deed. Then you'll know the truth. Then it'll make you free. Not hearing truth makes you free, knowing it. So at the end of that seven-day period... Then God gave me the next week, he said, now, write this verse down. He finally gave me a new verse, but then he had me do the same thing for seven days. Third week, he gave me a new verse, but same thing for seven days. So I'm only getting one Bible verse. Now you're still reading the Bible study, but I'm talking about, as far as meditating on the scripture, one verse a week, seven days, but I'm speaking it. See, he's got me handing things, and I didn't realize what was going on. And so I kept doing that. Well, how many scriptures are you going to know at the end of one year? Fifty two verses of scripture. Whoa, that's more than a lot of preachers know <laughs> What if you did that for two years? Oh, I see those mathematical lightning-fast minds hundred and four verses of scripture. Whoa, I know that's more than most preachers know <laughs> But see God showed me something in fact, here's how I realized what was happening After That very first week that first verse of scripture that I now knew it was just it was like it was permeating out my pores It was like I didn't have to try and think about it. It just came up in me all the time And here's how I knew that I knew that verse, but it was about three or four weeks later I had a test or a trial you know the hardships of life that all of us face this deal that came along and Without thinking I'm literally me. I mean this I did not try and think what should I do? What verse of scripture should I stand upon without even using my brain? I found myself quoting that verse that I had that I had meditated on for seven days weeks earlier It just came rolling up out of me, and I found myself saying it is written and it just rolled out of me Without even thinking and that's when I realized whoa 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 I I now know that verse I can do battle with that verse And then as years goes on and you come up with other battles and other tests and other hardships and other trials, I found out those other verses that I'd been meditating were rolling out without even thinking on what to do. And guess what? Every time I face every test and trial and hardship, I always came out the other side victorious. Why? Because I learned I could walk right through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because I wasn't letting evil come out of my mouth. That's why God had us do. Pastor was asking me about this deck of cards that we have back on the product table. I tried to bring enough because this is becoming a really hot seller right now because people are buying it for themselves and then gifts for graduations and weddings and all kinds of birthday gifts and stuff. But this deck of cards has 52 cards in it, one card per week. The front of the card has a verse of scripture. The back of the card has my personal Declaration, I call these declarate cards, you can call them confession cards or whatever speak it cards or whatever you want to say, but the front has the scripture, the back has what what are you supposed to say, and then you can use you can use my declaration, and then change it to your own personal one or whatever but it 's fifty two uh, cards in this deck, and so if you want them they 'll be back there available after pastor dismisses us today in fact while i 'm at it that um, that cd i 'd mentioned that that Couple that both had cancer. This is the CD they got, Heaven's Health Food. We have that queued up so that we could, uh, yeah, let's give them a sample of that. Thank you.
2: To suffer the diseases I allowed on the Egyptians, for I healed the Lord 15, who heals you. Verse 26. The New English Bible says, I, the Lord, am your healer. Your healer. The Sporel translation says, I am Jehovah. Your physician. your physician. He's my doctor. The basic English translation says, I am the Lord, your life, life giver. Gives me his life. Young's translation says, for I, Jehovah, am healing, healing you. you. Yes, personal. The Knox translation says, I am the Lord, and it, it is, is health I bring you. Free of charge. When the Goodspeed translation talks about I love diseases, this, one. it says... This. For I the Lord, Lord make, make
1: you immune. Oops, you turned it down, they didn't hear it. Anyway, it said, I the Lord make you immune to them diseases. So in other words, you can get so full of God's word that it affects your immune system. So that when things come against you, your your immune system is able to ward it off. Man. So that's we've actually had now, we've actually had every type of cancer. Healed while listening to that, that recording. I mean, throat cancer, brain cancer, lung cancer, skin cancer, bone cancer, stomach cancer, liver cancer, pancreatic cancer. We've had just all these different reports, people, all these years, because I I released that back when we still had cassettes. I released that back in nineteen ninety three. And now it's all over the world, people, so many reports off from nations all over the world, people getting healed while listening to that. We've actually, that was our first one, we've actually done seven different recordings now on different subjects. So when you stop by the product table, if you want to get something, if you have an area of your life that needs, I, I need more faith in this area, I need to really build my faith. We have love scriptures, peace scriptures, Wealth scriptures, wisdom scriptures, all of Proverbs done the exact same way as you just heard. You know, when you hear a verse of scripture said with a lot of different translations, it gives more light, more understanding. And knowing truth is what makes you free. And so we've got a lot of different ones back there. My wife's favorite is called Power Up. It's scriptures on victorious living. So it just gives you boldness and makes just you just feel like you're ready to go conquer when you're full of victory scriptures. So those are back there. And then I, just, I did put two of them on a USB because I just had this idea from the Lord. Uh, I, I put that heaven's health food that you just listened to. And then I put our love scriptures, another recording where I quote scriptures for a whole hour on love. And I put them both on here because faith works by what? And so, so many people, they don't get healed because they don't know how much God loves them. They think their healing is based on what they have or have not done. Well, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't studied enough. I haven't spoken the Word enough. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And so, they never get healed because they don't realize their faith doesn't work by what they do or don't do. It works by how much God loves them, which is what Galatians 5, 6 truly is speaking if you read the context. So, anyway, I put the health food and the love scriptures on the USB if you want to get a USB. And then... um, the um, 160 plus, plus thousand people that have been getting saved on Google, um, I, I realized, we found out, because we asked everyone that calls, now if all of them didn't call, uh, in order to get this statistic of 160,000, since not even half of them actually called our ministry, but to get the statistic, Uh, That they actually read the salvation prayer they have to go to our salvation prayer website And they have to scroll down the only way you can read the prayer You have to scroll down after they've scrolled down then we get the stat that somebody read the salvation prayer So we don't know that all of them got saved. We believe most of them did and Here's why first of all They were searching Google. How do I get saved? Secondly when you search Google if you're familiar with it, there's a lot of different links you can click on Well, they clicked on ours. Now, they may have clicked on some others first of all, but they decided to click on ours. So that means they did want to know how to get saved. And then thirdly, they took the time to scroll down and read the salvation prayer. Most of them got saved. And the ones that didn't, they got the word planted in them. Amen. So anyway, we realized when we talked to all the ones we talked to, it was over 99%. I always say 98 point something, but it was a little over 99%. Most of the people that got saved do not attend church And I realized that means they're not going to have a pastor mentor them They're not going to have somebody disciple them I got to get something in their hands And So one of my mentors, the late Kenneth V. Hagen, Had a little mini book called The New Birth, so I read it Uh, Brother Copeland had one, Welcome to the Family, I read that Um, uh, Billy Joe Daughtery in Tulsa had a large church there he wrote one just uh, I, I read a whole bunch of different little mini books that other ministries have trying to find something that I could put in their hands but none of them talked about why you need a pastor and why you need a church and none of them talked about why you need to put God in charge of your money he's smarter than you are and he actually wants you financially free and he knows how to get you there none of them talked about how do you talk to God and hear from God we call it prayer but I didn't I didn't call it that in the book So God told me to write a mini book. And so it's just a little bit larger than most mini books, but not much.